Hello everyone and welcome to Think Yourself Healthy Podcast. I'm your host, Heather Duranja. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey everybody, on today's episode of Think Yourself Healthy, I have a very, very special guest near and dear to my heart, (laughs) Alyssa Duranja. Alyssa, please say hello. Hello. I feel like this also, this episode should totally have like a trigger warning just because we're going to be talking about a lot of real, raw, you know, vulnerable emotions, stories, and things that many people can be um, triggered by. So excited to be on today. Me too. So Alyssa came to me and asked if we could record a podcast talking about our relationship. So I was more than honored and over the top, could not wait to um, have this conversation with her. So um, yeah, we have so much to share and talk about. It's like, I don't yeah, even I know. know where, I don't even know where to get started, but Alyssa, it'll let's, be a good one. It'll be a good one. Let's share with the audience what, what made you want to talk about the relationship that you and I have. Okay, so I'm just going to give a little of uh, a background before I kind of dive into it. Um, so my mother and I have definitely had a abnormal relationship, you know, it has not been picture perfect. We have been, you know, we lived at long distance for five years of my life. And in those five years, I was a preteen to a teenage woman. And now I am 20, about to be 21, going into womanhood. And I'm, you know, looking back and reflecting and wanting to kind of share my story and our struggles, um, you know. And our triumphs. Yes, yes, exactly. And maybe there is a young woman out there who doesn't have a strong relationship with their mother or their, you know, doesn't have a motherly figure or their motherly figure um, in their life. You know, they have some type of hardships with and you can kind of take a step back and look at it and from a different perspective. And I just kind of want to shed light onto that Mm -hmm. and, you know, um, let people know that no matter what you go through, you know, there's always a way to overcome things. It's all about, you know, perspective and growth and learning to be, you know, compassionate. Mm -hmm. So I love it. And I cannot (laughs) wait. Um, Just so for the audience, you know, I, as a little girl growing up, I always idolized my mother. My mother was literally my best friend. I could tell her everything. Now there were consequences that came with that. And so there was some fear sometimes around really, truly being able to be honest with her. Um, another thing is that with my relationship with my mother that I would get frustrated with is that she would withhold truth from me and that used to bother me. So based off of the relationship I had with my own mother, um, when I became a young mother, I had decided that there were some things that I was going to definitely, you know, embrace that my mother had taught me. My mother was an extremely loving and affectionate person, always said, I love you, always hugging, kissing. We have an extremely, extremely affectionate family. I'm so grateful for that, that there isn't fear to show affection. Um, 
And so based off of my experience growing up, there were things that I wanted to embrace. And then there were things that I wanted to break generational patterns around. And um, I am so excited to be able to talk about these difficult things because I think it's necessary in order for others, no matter where they're at in their life, you could be 65 and mom could be 85, you still have an opportunity to um, embrace and cultivate a healthy relationship. And so I hope that Alyssa and I are going to be able to share some of the things that we've done and um, overcome in order to strengthen and heal our relationship, but most importantly, break generational bonds, just those patterns, those generational unhealthy uh, habits and patterns that, you know, we all adopt from the conditioning and the programming that we get from our environment, monkey see, monkey do. And so um, I'm, I'm really excited to, to dive into that. Yeah. Now I will say this, my relationship from the get-go with Alyssa as a mother was completely different than what I had experienced becoming a mother with my, you know, her sister, my first daughter, Hannah. And um, I literally had to learn how to reparent based off of of Alyssa. I promise I wasn't terrible. (laughs) No, no, not at all. So just so the audience knows, when I was pregnant with Alyssa, we had had an ultrasound and we were told that we would be having a boy. So we literally had purchased all boy clothing, set the room up um, in twinkle, twinkle, little star with yellow and blue and had picked out the name Timothy Jr. (laughs) Not by my choice. Um, And so we were kind of set, you know, that we were having this little boy. We were going to have a girl, a boy family was going to be complete. And then my due date came, my due date went <laughs> two weeks later, she still hasn't come. I didn't, I didn't want to come out of the room. I was very comfortable. <laughs> and I was very frustrated doing anything and everything I could to try and force this child out of my body. I had to, um, I was going through a women's health clinic because I couldn't get health insurance to uh, be able to have uh, like a normal OBGYN. And so unfortunately the doctor that was head of staff and in charge of my case was a real asshole. And he refused to induce me. I had had a seizure with Alyssa about three weeks prior to when my due date was supposed to be. We were at a Rams football game and I seized from all of the noise and all, just all of the excitement. It caused me to go and induce, um, go into an induced seizure, an induced seizure. And um, because I didn't have health insurance and was having to go through clinics, um, I, they refused to give me ultrasounds. They refused to check the baby, make sure everything was okay. So I was frightened. I was very fearful. So with this particular doctor, he refused to induce me, do anything to help accommodate bringing her into this world in a timely manner. So the nurse practitioner who was in charge of my case, um, the day that I had gone in two weeks post my due date said to me, he's leaving, he's going to be off staff in a few hours, go home. I'm going to find a different doctor who will agree to induce you and we'll bring you back in. 
So that's exactly what happened. Doctor went home. She found another doctor who agreed to go ahead and induce me. They brought me in. They started me on the Pertocin and the medications to induce labor. And many hours later, it was uh, almost midnight. The doctor came in to check my progress. And when she lifted up the blanket, um, there was just blood everywhere. And at that point, she had known, she knew something was wrong. She did a, a pelvic exam and said that the baby was in the process of breaking her, the baby was breaking its neck, trying to come through the birth canal because its nose had got caught on my tilted pelvic, pelvic bone. So they decided that in that moment, they were going to have to do a emergency cesarean because my blood pressure was dropping. The baby's blood pressure was dropping. It was a very scary situation, losing a lot of blood. So they rolled me in, they dosed me up with the morphine and then cut the baby out. And all I remember is looking at my husband and him looking at me going, it's a girl. And I was like, say what? No, it can't be. And he was like, no, it's a girl. Alyssa came a dry birth. She was so overdue that the amniotic fluid had just like disintegrated and she had swallowed a lot of what they call the meconium, which is where the baby is actually pooping in the sack. And this is very dangerous yeah. and probably I didn't know this. And um, honestly, this is news to me. you know what, now that we're having this conversation, <laughs> this really makes a lot of sense with why you've had such issues, such ear sinus, skin issues, yeah. digestive issues, most likely related to microbiome mm-hmm. and what you experienced um, in those, in those days. Yeah. I had no idea about that. Yeah. So So needless to say, right after Alyssa was born, I ended up having a allergic reaction to the morphine, went into like complete shock. And the hospital that we delivered at, the nurses came in, I was literally in convulsions shaking and they were like, okay, well, here's your baby. It's time to breastfeed her. And um, by the way, we don't have a nursery. So she's going to be staying in here with you. And I was like, look, you just cut me wide open. I have no feeling from my neck down. And you want me to like take care of this child? I was like, mm, I think you're going to take her to the nurse's station and allow me to get a little rest. So needless to say, the beginning of our relationship was a little bit chaotic. And um, Alyssa did not take very well to the breast. And so breastfeeding was really challenging. She was very colicky, did a lot of crying. She never slept. She was just wide, eyes wide open all the time. Like, what the fuck did I come to this planet for? (laughs) What am I doing here? Who sent me? So anyway, it was just a a lot of really different um, circumstances than what I had experienced with my first child. So I thought I knew what it was like to be a parent. And then Alyssa came here to teach me otherwise. (laughs) So another fun fact, when Alyssa was a little girl, um, she loved to be dirty. Like love to be dirty. We're going here. Yeah, she did. She loved to be dirty. Taylor. And And so my first you know, Hannah, my first baby, she was pristine. She couldn't stand getting dirty, wet. I always had to have multiple changes of clothing on me, no matter where we went in the event that dear Hannah got dirty or wet. She had a clean, fresh outfit to change into at all times. And then I have Alyssa where 
I'm used to always having a clean, pristine child. And then Alyssa's preferring to smear dirt on her face. And, you know, um, <laughs> she was just remember. a totally different experience. I was a tomboy. <laughs> it was a totally different experience. So, um, yeah, we definitely got, you know, this, the beginning yeah. was definitely a, a different, yeah. different start. So basically to sum it up, me and my sister are very different and, you know, my relation, my mom's relationship with Hannah versus my relationship with my mom was always just polar opposite. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, growing up, I was more of a daddy's girl and Hannah was more of a mommy's girl. And when, you know, um, before, like before your, my, my parents' separation, I was close with my mom. I was very close with my mom, even though I tended to want to do more things, you know, with my dad and um, my dad worked all the time. So me and my mom spent a lot of time together because she was a stay-at-home mom. So, um, you know, I grew up with her being very nurturing and allowing me to be a very creative and stimulated child, which I will forever thank because she taught me, you know, essential life, you know, not essential life skills, but like essential well, brain development skills mm -hmm. that really, I think, you know, most parents nowadays are throwing iPads in front of children and it's just mm -hmm. different. And I'm not shaming anyone by no means, but I will say like it, it is different kinds and it is crazy to see, you know, I wonder the effects of the developments, but of that stuff on kids' brains. But back back to kind of the main point I'm, I'm wanting to get at is after my parents separated, my sister was much older than me and I was still at a very crucial age. I think I was like any, I was eight years old when you separated and I was about like 10 or 11 when you guys actually finalized your divorce. Um, and my sister was going into high school and she was always my mom's, you know, pal. So Hannah watched, you know, everything unfold where I was kind of kept in the dark. And I think for me, you know, my mom did it out of, you know, um, safe, you know, trying to keep me safe, safety and protecting me. But, um, you know, at that age, I couldn't rationalize why my mom and sister were so upset. And I just felt like the outsider, you know, and my sister would tell me things, but I, I was in denial. I didn't want to believe it. I was too young for my brain to even like rationalize things. And, you know, looking, looking back at it now, I think that we, you guys doing that helped me out a lot in the long run because it did help me to develop like a sense of um, individuality, if that makes any sense, like being, you know, having my own beliefs versus like being told because I mean it was the same my dad would tell me stuff too but you know it it allowed me to you know kind of create my own belief system but it also you know wasn't always great because I started assuming you know maybe my mom just didn't want to like not not tell me or there was things that she's keeping secret from me and I couldn't understand on why you know she was going through the things she was or how she was acting because you know yeah. Well, full transparency. Um, I was in such a complete state of shock that my whole world had been turned upside down and our family unit was no longer the family unit that I had always imagined it would have been. 
And I felt so lost. I completely disassociated and had a lot of difficulty with, um, I, I was so, so deep into my own sadness that I couldn't recognize and see the sadness within my own children. And, and really have the ability to hold the space that they needed me to, to help them ebb and flow through all of the challenges and all of the changes and uncertainty that we were facing at that time. Yeah, no, totally. And, you know, um, me being young, I, I couldn't understand that. Mm-hmm. So I just thought you weren't. You just didn't Dick care. care right? You just didn't care. So, you know, my brain was telling me my mom didn't love me, What you know, things that were going, things that were important to me, my dance recitals, all of that stuff, you know, school, <laughs> my friends, because I had to move schools at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so my whole life changed. I mean, my whole life did a complete 360. And then at the same time, my dad had a girlfriend with a son that was you know, he was bringing into my life, my sister was rejecting them. So I was always in the middle, in the middle. And I was always the more I feel like, not grounded one, but I felt like I had to be the grounded one in order to keep, you know, any normal, normal, normalness in the family. And, um, but kind of back to what you were saying, mom, like, the, the, you know, disassociation, you know, I, it affected me in a long-term way that now 20 going on 21 years old, my developed brain, well, still developing brain can understand what, you know, what happened. And um, I think there's a lot of parents and, you know, teenagers out here who are going to be able to relate to this. And even though they may not see it now, it's just something to be conscious of and kind of, you know, like you might hear this story and be like, oh, hey, this is very similar to what I'm feeling. And I, I could save you a lot of trauma and pain if, you know, someone's just open to listen and understand. So, um, yeah, so me feeling like, you know, my mom doesn't love me, I'm rejected, caused me to become very anger and bitter towards her. And, you know, my mom wasn't in a place to receive any more <laughs> emotional baggage, right? Mm-hmm. Emotional distress and at that time not only you know were we had I gone through the divorce I had to move into into my parents house with the two girls Um, I was also trying to get a degree in school so that I would be able to financially support us I was working as a bartender server nights and weekends it was um, I was just there I was really lost and really trying to I was in survival mode I was just literally in survival mode and the disassociation was the only thing that kept me going. And at that time, it was the first time in my life I had been single and I never got to go out and party. I never went out to like bars and hanging out with friends. And so during that period when we were living at my parents, you um, were very young. You were what, 30? I was 33. 32. Yeah, 33. Yeah, 33. She was young. So, so young. And so I did take advantage of being able to try and have a social life and, and escape all of the pain and suffering that I was doing. And Alyssa really felt that. Yeah. My mm-hmm. absence, she really, really felt. And I'm so grateful for my mother and 
my mom really being able to pick up the pieces and show Alyssa the nurturing and love that I wasn't capable of giving her at that time. I love my grandma. Yeah, I <laughs> Shout mean, out to you, grandma. You're awesome. You already know. <laughs> you already know how our bond is yeah. and how strong it is. I'm truly, I am. I'm very grateful that my mom was there to help parent and you know, one of my fondest memories was grandma encouraging you to start the cupcake business. Oh, always. Yes. <laughs> my, my grandma since day one has always told me I was going to be like a little entrepreneur. And so she, was it you or was it her who built, who got me the cupcake basket? I think uh, you got, I got me. yeah, I did yes. the cupcake basket, but it was my mom who yes. like would make you get in the kitchen yes. and, and do the cooking. So and- that's one thing I will say, like, like what what I was saying before like my mom always was giving me hobbies right and I'm still like this to this day and I like I change hobbies like every three months it's pretty bad I need to I need to fix that wound whatever that is but oh it's okay it's your inner child she wants yes. to play yes so um, keep it alive sister. yes Yes. So my grandma and my mom always pursued me to start a cupcake business. And so I would spend my summers off of school, just making different cupcake recipes and decorating them. And they were good. They were so good. I was a good baker. I was really good at like 10 years old. I was whipping them up in the kitchen. And, um, you know, there's little moments like that, that like, I do love to look back on and remember like, okay, you know, even, even though these were very hard times, you guys were very much still there for me. Like my family support was there. I was, you know, very grateful because I know it's not like that for every case. And I just think, you know, whenever you're going, you know, no matter what you're going through, still take a second to look around at who is supporting you because I was lucky enough to have my grandma and my mom to the her capacity and, you know, my uncles and stuff like that. But, you know, you know, in other situations, I know how it can feel like you're alone, mm-hmm. but you're really not, you know, and as much as, you know, maybe if, if it's not someone from your family, it can always just be a stranger that will say a kind word to you and encourage you and, you know, just just know that there's a lot of love to give in a world that seems like to be filled in with negativity and hatred, you know, there's always, there's always someone there that's going to support you. And I think my mother and I really want to spread that, Mm -hmm. you know, nowadays is, you know, we're here for people because we know what it's like. And we also know what it's like to have support. So how important it is. Yeah. I, I mean, I couldn't have gotten through all of those times if it weren't for my family, my very close friends, my daughters. My daughters mm-hmm. were really, you know, my rock. Um, they were my why. Mm-hmm. I, there were so many days I didn't want to get out of bed. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to go to school. I didn't want to go to work. I just wanted to cry. I And my girls were always the why of why I had to keep pushing, no matter how desperate and bleak my circumstances felt in the moments. Um, I wanted to show them that, you know, they could be strong, they could be resilient, that they didn't have to always be tough. Mm -hmm. They could be vulnerable, they could be transparent, they were allowed to have feelings, all of those things. And I'm I just, I, I know for a fact that I am the most blessed mother alive because of the relationship that I have with both of my daughters. For me, the relationship that Alyssa and I now have is so sacred because Mm -hmm. for a 
very long time, I was very fearful that we would never have a relationship. In 2015, um, I was put into a position where I had to give, stop fighting for custody of her. And her and I had a conversation and I was like, look, Alyssa, here's the circumstances. I'm out of money. I can't continue to fight this. You're being put in the middle. You're the one who is suffering. And I need to know what you want me to do. And in, in 2000, yeah. So okay. in 2012, no, at end of 2011, I had dated a guy. I was desperate to get out of my parents' basement and get the girls into a different living environment so that they could have, you know, Yeah, I think it's important we talk about that because that was the beginning of me really rejecting you as my mother. So I started dating a guy. He was the first relationship that I had gotten into, well, since I had been 17 after my ex-husband. And, um... I did not know whom he truly was until we actually moved in with him. So during the year that him and I had dated. And I think a lot of mothers out there can relate to this because I have a lot of friends with single mothers who have very similar, you know, stories. Mm -hmm. So this is very important. So as a mom, I got every other weekend free where the girls would go to their dads every other weekend. And then Wednesday nights. At first it was Monday it was, and then yeah, it was Wednesday. It was like a random night of the week. They would stay with their father. So those would be the opportunities that I would get to go and spend one-on-one time with this guy. And so we had cultivated the relationship. I thought I knew him pretty well. And then we chose to move in together into a home. And I mean, you shortly would, after, go ahead. I was, you would think he would have been a good guy. Yeah. He really played the part. I'm not yeah. going to lie. He played he, the part. He fooled everyone. (laughs) Yes, he did. So shortly after we moved in together as a new family, the red flags started presenting and we, well, I was in denial around what an alcoholic narcissist he actually was. And Alyssa kept trying to warn me, mom, he's not a good guy. I, I don't know what it is, but my intuitive intuition yeah Yeah, my intuition from such an early age I mean I can read people so easily and it's not necessarily like a bad thing but it's like oh I can tell you're a good person I can tell you're not such a good person and at first I thought um this man we're speaking of was a good guy but then I had to spend a lot of alone time with him when you would have to go to work school and work yeah and Hannah Mm -hmm. was at her boyfriend's house Mm -hmm. And so it was just me, my, I was like 11 or 12 mm-hmm. and this guy, and all he would do is I would go up to my room because I would feel extremely uncomfortable. And he would just blast, blast for like drinking wine boxes. Yeah, no, <laughs> he would fill red wine bottles with, and then fill it half with vodka. And we didn't know. Oh God, I didn't. Yeah, we like, didn't. That was like something we ended up finding. Cause I, I was like, I, I didn't, didn't understand how he would get so intoxicated. It was just wine boxes. And <laughs> I remember being like 12 years old and thinking, what is this dude on? <laughs> He's really that trunk off of wine boxes, like screaming to some, you know, EDM music. And I was just like, all right, like, I guess this is life now. I don't know. And it just progressively got worse worse and weirder. And then he would get more verbally abusive abusive. and he was very, um, I mean, I was, I I pushed back 
I didn't yeah. allow him to walk all over me. So I would fight back and I would argue with him and be like, I'm not going to let you tell me, you know, sit here and tell me these things. Mm-hmm. That's not true. That's not true. And it would just anger him more. And I know he wouldn't have probably physically hurt me, but you could see like the anger in this man's eyes. It was so scary. I remember being on the staircase screaming at the top and him just being at the bottom, like ready to like rage, rage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was just like, geez. So you know, I started telling my mom, like, I don't like him. I think this is not good. Like, I don't feel safe anymore. And my mom's response was, I was being dramatic. And I was not accepting. I didn't want her to be happy. And, you know, all of the same stories that I think a lot of parents tell their, tell their children when they're in denial. Mm-hmm. And, you know, looking back, you really... I think you were just really in denial mm-hmm. and couldn't, you know, be there to like, oh, like, you know, maybe Alyssa is being honest because I was very young. And so it's easy to kind of write it off as, you know, oh, her parents just got divorced. She doesn't want to see them, you know, see, see her mom happy and all this stuff. Granted, I was also very tough when it came to that stuff. I mean, I, I definitely, um, I was like, if any new, new man was coming into my mom's life, they had to get through me, right? Like I was the one that was going to be quizzing, interviewing them, asking a thousand questions. Like I, you would have thought I would have pulled their social security card at 12 years old. <laughs> right. and ran, like, I'm, I'm not even joking. <laughs> right. <laughs> and ran their name through a freaking um, criminal record. But <laughs> so there was one particular night where I was working at the bar and I got phone calls, multiple phone calls from Melissa crying screaming and then I'm getting phone calls from him we can't use names yes uh from him and he's like your daughter is just absolutely ridiculous and I'm just going what the hell is going on I'm just trying to work I'm trying to make money it was, so I could the it was snowing it like was it was just storm. an absolute nightmare oh, I'll never and forget. I just remember being absolutely heartbroken because when I came home, I came home to an empty home with no more Alyssa there. She had called her father and I'll let you kind of take yeah, it from No, I'll never sp- forget this. So to give a little background on to what had happened, I'm not going to get into the full story because, you know, it's pretty, you know, it's a long, long story, but um, basically I had my best friend of my childhood I mean my best friend who had seen you know she'd been there since I was like six years old Mm -hmm. over and we wanted to make coffee because we were like 12 you just finally started letting me drink coffee and so you know we're like okay let's you know make coffee with some french vanilla creamer right it was snowing I was like this will be so nice and it was late at night. It was like eight o'clock. No, it was, o'clock. it was six. I okay. will not, I'll never six. forget because it was 6 p.m. on a Saturday. And that's why I was like, oh, it's totally okay. Like it's, it's Saturday. Like we're fine. Um, so I go in the kitchen and I'm ready to start making it. And this man comes in and can we give him a nickname? Sure. Let's, can we call him, um, let me, let's, what, what's a good nickname for him? Can we call him Skrillex? Skrillex Okay, works. we're going to call him Skrillex. <laughs> So Skrillex comes into the kitchen and he is like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm making me and my friend coffee. And he's like, no, you're not. 
And here's the thing, there's a difference in being, you know, respectful and being, you know, a step figure in a child's life and kind of, you know, advising them or guiding them on why, you know, they shouldn't be doing something. And then there's being a drunk asshole. asshole who is barking at a 12 year old girl in front of her girlfriend who never comes over and basically saying, you know, you, like just yelling, like just an immediate, embarrassing yeah, it's embarrassing. Yeah. And not only that, when you freaking come at me with fire, I'm going to come back. I'm, I have a moon in Aries. I'm going to come back with you with fire. <laughs> like I was not putting up with that. And so um, it turned into immediate fight screen fest of me telling him he was an a-hole and I didn't respect him because he didn't respect me and him telling me I was a spoiled brat and I did not deserve to live there and all of these stories on why you know I'm going to have so much trouble growing up and I'm not going to be you know successful in life and you know just trying to completely defeat a young girl and so me and my friend decide we're going to go outside because it's getting too heated. And I'm like, we literally cannot be in this household. It's time to go outside. So we're in, you know, the garage and Skrillex had bought me this little oh, motor scooter. Yeah. So he bought me this motor scooter and, or like, I, I guess like a moped thing, yeah. I don't know what to call yeah. it. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and it's snowing like it is like inches are on the ground and so I you know he comes in the garage starts yelling at us screaming at us I'm on the phone with my dad my dad hears him screaming at us so my dad's like you need to walk away so what do I do I get the moped and I tell my friend hop on so I we start driving and I'm not joking I was probably going like five miles per hour but I thought I was on a mission I was like we're going back like we're getting away and so he's freaking out, Skrillex is, like, being like, you need to get back here, it's snowing, and, like, we were not in, you know, snow attire, like, we could have easily froze to, to death, yes, <laughs> and keep in mind, we were, like, 11, 12 years old, like, going into sixth grade, we were young, and so um, he's arguing, my dad's on the phone with me, my dad's like, I'm coming there, and I'm getting you guys, and I think, you know, it's time you move in with me. And I'm like, I agree. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. So I go back. I have enough courage to go back, pack my things while Skrillex is screaming still. And all of a sudden, me and my friend hear this loud, like, thump. And Skrillex is outside throwing that moped in the front yard. I don't know if you remember this. He threw my no. scooter uh -uh. because he bought it for me because he was so mad that he bought it for me. Well, he chucked it in the front yard. Yeah. And I mean, if we're not talk about trauma, I feel bad. I feel more bad for my friend at this point because she, <laughs> she had no idea. She came from a very healthy family, so <laughs> she had no idea. And um, anyway, so my dad ends up coming. I have all my stuff packed and I was like, this is it. And, you know, I knew that this was really going to impact my mom and I's relationship because in this moment it was. I'm choosing dad's side, right? That's how I viewed it was I'm, I'm choosing dad's side, even though that's not what was really going on or really was going on it was I was protecting myself to emotional and, you know, verbal abuse. And my dad just, you know, per, you know, my dad loves me and wanted, you know, make sure I was safe. And my mom just was not there. You were just, you weren't there. You, you didn't understand. 
And well, and, and one thing that at that time, Alyssa didn't have the capability of understanding was not only was she being subjected to the narcissistic mm -hmm. emotional abuse, but so was I. And yeah. in this particular relationship, um, there was a lot of sexual abuse that I was enduring and I was in such a low place. I couldn't believe that I had gotten myself in this situation with this individual whom was way worse was... than I ever anticipated I would have gotten together with. And it was a really, it was just a really bad, bad situation. And Shortly after that happened with Alyssa, um, a lot of things continued to happen. And I got to a point where I could no longer just keep the wool over my eyes and, and had to see what was in front of me and that this was a, a no good person in a very, very dangerous situation to be in. And I ended up getting diagnosed with cancer. And the day after I had my surgery, I moved him, my oldest daughter and I physically moved ourselves out of that house and into apartment. And I look back and I think to myself, God, I don't know how I had the strength to carry all of that furniture up all those flights I mean, we're talking stairs. couches, the bed, like, right? You yeah, everything. Like, yeah. I don't know how, but that was determination and will to mm -hmm. get us into a better, healthier situation. Today's episode is brought to you by Organifi. Organifi is a line of organic superfood blends that offer plant-based nutrition made with high-quality ingredients. Most of us could use a little more energy in our day, but caffeine can only do so much. At some point, we have to look at root causes of our fatigue. Organifi creates delicious superfood blends that address both of these problems. They use adaptogenic herbs and mushrooms to help balance cortisol levels associated with stress, and they make it easier to add more nutrients into your day. You can experience Organifi's high-quality superfoods without breaking the bank. Go to www.organifi.com backslash Heather20 and use code Heather20 for 20% off your order. Hannah and I moved into an apartment. Alyssa would come over and visit and it was a lot of toxicity. It was a lot of her harboring anger and resentment towards me, me not, me feeling so hurt, so abandoned, so rejected because in my world, everything I was trying you, to do you was- felt like you were Oh, yeah. 100%. Mm -hmm. I, I was definitely being victimized. How could my ex do this to me? How could this guy Skrillex do this to me? And how could my daughter abandon me in yeah. such a time of emotional low and desperation? And, um, and so God, the shit that we went through, oh, like I, I my I oldest daughter at the time was in a really, really toxic relationship. And that was a whole nother situation. I remember coming home from work one night, my whole front door being completely oh, yeah. ripped off the hinges. Every single thing in my home was destroyed. I didn't have a lot of money. I was working my ass off just to try and provide to keep a roof over our head. And, and I had bought as a TV. Do you remember oh. with, I, I bought as a TV with a paycheck that I had worked really, really hard for. And I came home and that TV was completely fucking shattered. And all of our pictures had knives like scraped through them and and we're talking I mean some psychopath it was psychotic yeah. and I will never forget 
a couple of days later. So I like had, well, that evening I had to call the police and, you know, do the whole investigation. And I knew, I knew exactly who had done it. Yeah, we all did. We all knew who had done it. And a couple of days later, I remember being in my closet, putting new, putting a clothing on and I put this shirt on that had never been worn and it smelled like urine. And I was like, what the heck? And then that's when I realized that they had literally urinated on every single article of clothing in Mm -hmm. my closet. I I had never felt more violated, defiled, like I was just, uh, it was literally just one thing after another. It felt like it was never ending. And then that led me into another extremely toxic relationship, probably the worst of them all. And Alyssa saw immediately, she knew that this guy was absolutely no good. What are we going to call this one? Plenty of fish. Plenty of fish. That is too perfect. (laughs) Plenty of fish. Or we could call them fish, you know, plenty, either or. P-O-F. Plenty of fish is so perfect. (laughs) Oh, I hope. Oh, boy. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So Alyssa knew. Hannah, she was more warm and welcoming to this other one um to the to plenty plenty of fish fish. um he was extremely attractive very charismatic had a really charming personality uh but behind closed doors he was literally just evil pure evil not not a word i think that is appropriate i can use on this podcast but um when i say like if there's any person that's walking around with like an actual demon inside them it's Mm -hmm. him like and I'm not like a very you know I hate to like use stuff like that but it's true like it just goes to show how evil and hurt this man man is Mm -hmm. you know yeah so he subjected me to a lot of pain and during that time he was putting me in a position where he was making me choose between spending time with my children and spending time with him and He would literally trap me for hours and abuse me physically, literally physically abuse me so that I could not leave and get home to my children like I needed to. And I would come home and I would try to hide black eyes, but Alyssa knew. Alyssa knew, she called me out. I would deny, I would lie about it. Um, It was literally... I threatened to chase him with a baseball bat, by the way, guys. When I was like 13 years old, he came over. And I knew he was hurting my mom. I mean, I was not, I was not stupid. I had been through so much at that point that I was not stupid. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it hurt me more that she was lying because again, back to like when my parents were separating, she kept this truth from me. And so I was like, she just lies to me. She doesn't want me to know, like, she doesn't want me to be, you know, a part of, you know, her, like, you know, I just felt rejected. Right. And, um, so but this guy came around and I remember looking him straight in the eyes and telling him if he doesn't leave I'm going to get the baseball bat out of the garage and chase him out of the house with it he was scared of me I swear yeah, that man no, was, no, he, he was scared I, of me. I agree I think that if there was anyone that did kind of make yeah. him go hmm, yeah it was definitely you. yeah he should have been because he was evil I mean he put my mom through the ringer literally put her through the ringer um you know caused me to completely run away from that household and not want a relationship with my mom at all so while my mom's going through actual physical 
emotional, verbal abuse, I completely just disconnected from her. And that's a moment in my life that I remember being like, I don't want a relationship. Right. I don't want a relationship with her. I'm getting hurt too much. I don't want a relationship. And and in and from my perspective, with all of the pain and suffering and then the feeling of abandonment and rejection from my own daughter, it only pushed me even more into that relationship, into the toxicity, because that's what I truly at the core of my being thought that I deserve. Nothing but pain, nothing but abuse, nothing but suffering. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's crazy to look back on because I think there's a lot of people, so many people, like people that I know that are in the same relationship, marriage, you know, situationship, whatever it is. And it sucks because it took me many years to understand And now that, you know, I look at it and it's like, wow, like how, how broken we all were and how, you know, we, what we accepted, yeah, what what we we accepted in our life. And in May of 2015 is when I finally was able to escape the torture of that relationship. And at that point, Alyssa and I had started to redevelop a relationship mm-hmm. but we were still going through the and, official court battle and um also at that time I was I was 14 by the way I was not 15 I know I was 14 for a fact um I was going through a lot of hormonal changes I guess you know being a preteen. I mean, I was mean, that I was a mean girl, you know, I was not a happy girl. I quit all of my sports. I quit doing all the things that used to make me happy. Mm-hmm. And I just decided that my fate was going to be trouble mm-hmm. because that's all I was told for the last, you know, three years of my life. So during that period, um, Alyssa was coming over and she would stay weekends. And actually, I think we were pretty much splitting custody. Yeah, it was split. It was like, yeah. I would stay one week, yeah. stay one week. It was split. Yeah. And um, again, I was still having to work full time as a dietitian. At this point, I'm um, bartending. And um, yeah, I was working six days a week actually seven days you a week, were working all the time. seven days a week. I was working seven days a week. Most of the time it was anywhere from like 12 to 16 hour days. I was literally exhausted. And then I would come home and Alyssa would have boys over and then I would freak out. Yeah. And so there was a lot of conflict. And then, but the, the thing was, is I was like doing it because I just ha- gave zero fucks. Like I genuinely got to that point where I mentally checked out and was like, I don't respect anything. I don't respect my mom. I don't, you know, I don't. And this is, I see this pattern all the time when I'm, when I see like, even, you know, my younger, younger friends or my siblings, younger friend, or, oh my gosh, my friends, younger siblings and cousins uh, cousins and, and, you know, you go through so much 
trauma that you literally lose respect for everything because what's the point you know and that's where I was I was like I don't care you know you're not gonna you can't do anything more to me at that point so and for me that was probably when I turned 15 yeah you know and started Mm -hmm. turning to drugs that was when I I just said fuck it yeah and that's after I had had uh, my mom put me in the hospital because she found out I was pulling out my hair and that was my coping mechanism at that time so yeah yeah, we were in very similar situations Mm -hmm. but long story short um that October I ended up having to give up custody of Alyssa and she chose to live with her dad and then my oldest daughter was in a really really toxic toxic relationship I knew that she was either going to end up dead or in jail the police were coming literally it was every day I was getting involved in it 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 was such a bad it was just such bad circumstances I remember literally being at work, being at home and knock, knock, it's the cops. My house was constantly getting vandalized. My vehicles, people who would come to visit Mm -hmm. us, their vehicles would get vandalized. It was just so much toxicity. And Hannah was in such a low place. She really was just losing, losing, losing herself. And I saw the writing on the wall and knew where her fate was headed. If something significant did not shift. To escapism very quickly and it was going down you know so that's when I had to make the decision to move as far away as possible and get a second chance at starting life and I will never forget the day I went and picked you up and Mm -hmm. I was like look here's the situation um California Mm -hmm. and I think that you were in complete shock because that previous October right before we had made the decision that you were going to live with your dad I had said look there's a very good chance that I'm not going to stay in Missouri. And I think that you didn't believe me. I yeah. think you thought I was just, you know, no, I didn't. manipulating you or yeah. something. You're trying to get me to live with you. Right. And so anyway, um, I'll, I'll to share my, you know, what I went through. So, you know, my mom told me that she was moving to California. She was selling everything and she was going to just make it work. And I literally had just finally felt like I was going to get some stability and I had moved schools every year up until this point. I'm not joking. Post-divorce. Yes. Every single year, different school. Well, it was the same schools, but back and forth, back Mm -hmm. and forth. So I was that kid that was just always bounced back between two different school districts, you know? So if one thing didn't work out, I could run to the other school, Mm -hmm. you know, it was, it wasn't good. And, um, you know, I saw this as an opportunity to kind of change and create some sort of stability in my life. And I, that's all I really wanted at the end of the day. And so when my mom told me that I was like, no, I just, I can't do that. I can't do that again. I can't go halfway across the country at 15 years old and to out of all, you know, out of all the places, California. And it sounds like a dream to many, but to me, I was so aware of all of the shit that I had to work through that I couldn't be a normal 15 year old moving schools I would have ended up just going I think I would have ended up probably either pregnant or completely on drugs like there was no way I would have came out here and been okay and you know at that time I think my mom thought I was doing it to be mean but I'm still standby that was the best decision I could have ever made for myself Mm -hmm. And, you know, my dad was still 
Jiren King. Actually, no, he was in the hospital because his liver was failing. So I was completely alone. I mean, you left and then my dad's in the hospital fighting for his life. And I was left alone <laughs> every day for, you know, my first year of high school. And um, I mean, it taught me a lot. It taught me how to be independent, but it also gave me a lot of, you know, it, helped, it made me sit with my trauma. And so I developed a lot of mental health issues and anxiety. And um, it got to the point where I did try to end my life. And I'll never forget that because I called my sister and she couldn't be there for me. And I was like, I've had enough, you know, this is, I'm done. I don't want to be here anymore. My life is shit. Like, and it's so sad because life is so beautiful. And I, you know, I think that there were many beautiful moments as much as we're talking about this negativity. There's, there was good times. My childhood was not complete, <laughs> complete shit. It was just, you know, everyone has their own story. Mine just was, you know, rough around the edges of, for a few of those chapters, but um, yeah, I ended up, you know, making that decision and I was forced to go to therapy and I will forever promote going to therapy, going and seeing someone, seeking out a counselor. But previously, me and you tried it. Yeah, We tried it and it just didn't work, mm -hmm. you know? And I think for most people, and this is just my personal opinion, you got to do your own therapy before you can bring in the person that you need the therapy with, right? Yeah. And we've never done it since then. Yeah. But because I did that therapy, she taught me so much, you know, on a professional level about, what really my brain was going through the mm -hmm. things that I experienced and how to deal with my emotions mm -hmm. and you know I do feel like I'm very emotionally mature now mm -hmm. because of that um and I think that's where a lot of kids and not kids but young adults like kids my age 20 to 25 year olds where I see you know they completely lack that emotional mm -hmm. maturity mm -hmm. and that's why I think everyone seeks that you know hookup culture, playing the games because mm -hmm. no one, no one has done that work on themselves. Right. And, um, you were always an advocate for it though. You were always oh, the hundred percent. I had Hannah in therapy. Yeah. I, I mean, I was seeking therapy yeah. myself. Um, therapy was not something that was, I was exposed to for my traumas mm -hmm. growing up through childhood. Um, I will never forget my therapist saying, so your family clearly doesn't know boundaries. Yes. And I was like, what the fuck's a yes. boundary? Like, what is that? But it's um, true though. And that's something like, even to this day, I'm learning with our family is boundaries. And so, <laughs> so let's fast forward. So, yeah. well, one other thing I want to mention about that was um, you did blame me and, yeah. you know, I will never forget the phone call saying this is because this is your fault. I don't think it was you though. well you did not say that no, you didn't say that I was to gonna me. say I definitely someone was, else said that to okay. me but they were saying that you yeah. were saying that it was the reason why I, yeah so I was harboring a lot of shame and guilt I I remember people you know they'd be like oh do you have children and I'd say yes I have two daughters and then they would start questioning me and I remember the shame and guilt that I would feel about saying, well, one of my daughters is here and the other mm -hmm. one's in Missouri. And they would just give me this look of disapproval. And, and I, you know, it, confusion, confusion. Mm -hmm. And like, I just, yeah. Like, and so and no one wants to ever feel like, you know, their decisions are looked 
from, you know, right. because no one knows the story. So you know, I really compassionate. <laughs> yeah. So I really, really harbored a lot of shame and guilt and really beat myself up. And I ended up getting into the third relationship post-divorce. Yeah. Yeah. And this one I thought for sure mm-hmm. was by far the healthiest one yet. Wow. I had no idea that this was like a silent. Yeah, silent but deadly. Silent <laughs> but deadly situation. And in 2018, we move into the dream home in yeah. Monarch Beach and, you know. Okay. But um, anyway, you know, we can literally see the ocean from mm-hmm. the backyard, have the pool in the backyard, this beautiful home. And Alyssa. Was and it Michelob? Yeah, Michelob. I don't remember. No, wasn't it? It was Corona. It corona. was Corona. Yeah, okay. it was Corona. Okay. So we're calling him Corona. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we could call him Corona. Okay. <laughs> Not to be confused yes. with COVID. Yes. Corona. The beer. Yeah. So Corona um, was literally isolating me, stripping away all of my independence and literally just my, I I was just dying, literally dying. And so I was extremely hopeful because I thought that when Alyssa came out, I saw saw the situation that she would be enticed to want to come and live with me. And, you know, we let me bring a friend and we would have Mm -hmm. this opportunity to start over with our relationship and things went way bad. (laughs) So they went really good until Until they they went really bad. It was like, like it was the perfect visit. And then my friend left and then things just went shit. So I don't even remember. I remember what it was. I said, I want to spend some time with you, some alone time, just one-on-one. Can we go to the beach? We get in the car. We weren't even (laughs) pulled out of the street. And it was just at each other's throat. I remember though, why though? Like I remember the discussion. It was over nutrition fixing. It was over because I was getting bullied at school, not necessarily bullied, but guys, obviously my mom is an attractive young mother. So I got all of the milk jokes, the, you know, everything you can think of, but she branded herself as nutrition vixen. I don't think you, I don't know if you were aware, but there was a famous porn star at that time. No, that went definitely by, not aware. Okay. So there was a famous porn star at the time that went by something vixen and I got so much heat for it. And I was already in such a weird place with my mom that I was like, great. Now I'm the weird girl, you know, with the hot mom that could be a porn star and no one understands what the hell happened in my life. And so she asked me about your business and I was in DECA at this time. So I was really, you know, pushing myself into the business, um, business classes in my school. And so you were trying to connect with me and I saw this as an opportunity to let, you know, let loose onto the things that I had been harboring and it got bad. It was, it, it got so bad that we, I mean, literally we were screaming, no, we were screaming at each other, like screaming at the top of our lungs. And we got back to the house and Corona was like, what the heck is going on? And he tried to intervene yeah. and he was like, this is toxic. <laughs> He's like, you guys are psycho. Well, I was like, I was so, um, 
he was so mean like I remember him oh, I'm pretty sure God. I told him to fuck you off you did yeah I was like get the fuck out so uh, she went in and started packing her bags and she's like I'm out of here and I was so upset because I felt so used so taken advantage of like I had really tried oh, to I went plan and took the purse too I was I was mean. I was yeah mean. I, was I, I really felt like completely heartbroken and just devastated and so as she was packing her bags and I recognized that there was no convincing her otherwise that this was an unsalvage unsalvageable yeah. situation at this point. Yeah. Um, you ended up, he wouldn't even, you ended up calling your dad, ch- changing the air flight. No. What no, happened? you went to your sister's? I went to Hannah's apartment. Okay. Yeah. Cause Hannah was working and I called Hannah and I told her, Hey, like me and mom got into a bad fight. Hannah knew. Hannah, Hannah was always kind of like, she saw both sides yeah. to everything. So she was like, okay, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to order you an Uber. I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, she ordered me an Uber and they picked me up and took me to her apartment. And then I ended up sleeping with her or staying there with her roommate and talking to her roommate about everything. And I remember like feeling so much guilt while I was talking to her roommate because I was like, wow, I really overreacted. Like this was not how this was supposed to go. Yeah, and, it was bad. And you, I think you were texting me and it just wasn't, it wasn't helping the situation. I was just devastated. Yeah. So Alyssa left and with no no goodbye. It no goodbye. Sad. No nothing. I was I was just absolutely heartbroken. And um, I had the expectation that our relationship had forever been severed mm-hmm. and that there was no point of return at this at this yeah. point. I slipped into a very, very terrible, terrible depression. And so combination of the emotional abuse that I was getting. And when I say emotional abuse, it was the lack of emotion. I was literally just being isolated and uh, manipulated through financial means. And, um, and, and and ultimately I became very suicidal. Like my suicidal ideations were so significant. Mm -hmm. I remember sitting at the table and just thinking about going up to the bathroom to slit my wrist and bleed out. (laughs) And, um, and, uh, Instead, this voice in in my head said, go outside. And I will never forget taking those steps outside. And the further I got away from the house, the the deeper I could breathe, the more alive I felt, Mm -hmm. and then called a girlfriend. Long story short, I ended up going back to St. Louis. I had hit rock bottom once again, let go of my business, had nowhere to live, Mm -hmm. had no money to my name, had no relationship with my daughter. I was just in the worst place of my life at that point. So I went back to St. Louis and by surprise, Alyssa greeted me. Well, I, I was in therapy at that time, like hardcore therapy. Yeah. You, you were the one that I remember just being so astonished because it was my birthday. I flew mm-hmm. in, it was on my birthday and you came over and you were like, look, let's forget about all the, well, she was like, we can't forget about it. We're going to have to talk about it, but I love you. And I want to have a relationship with you. And from that moment on, 
our lives completely yeah. changed our relationship completely changed and I told her well for me it was the first time I felt like you really were making an effort even though beforehand you were but it was like you were genuinely emotionally present to make an effort and connect with me and because I think before like as we have talked about the patterns of the men that were in the lives and the toxic relationships it was like this is my mom this is raw this is Heather you know this is my mom and she needs me and I need her as much as she needs me if not more also at that time another thing happened that was really really significant um I had a friend that I had worked with and she had two daughters that were the same ages as mm -hmm. my daughters and her and I had been through such parallel situations and our children had been through very parallel situations. They went to school together and this, this particular friend was like literally just the light of life. She was such a beautiful, joyful, give her, I mean, bend over backwards, shirt off her back and um, silently she had also been struggling like I had been but she chose to take her life and at that time one of her daughters was pregnant with what would have been her first grandchild and I remember lying in that bed thinking to myself oh my god that could have been me like I could have made that decision that would have forever impacted them more than what decisions we had already made and I think that for me, that was really the surrender, the point where I knew I couldn't run, I couldn't be the victim anymore, that the only common denominator in all of the situations was me, and that mm -hmm. I had to take the mirror and look at myself and do the work, and I had to heal the traumas, and I had to heal the core wounds of the abandonment and the rejection and the not feeling worthy and deserving, and at that point, um, that's when Alyssa and I chose that we were going to let go of all of the past hurts and that we were going to talk through yeah. everything. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up going up to Northern California and um, yeah. you flew out and we had the most magical time. It was a very, um, it was a very healing trip. Yes. Yeah, no, it was literally Mount Shasta is the most healing place. Well, it was my 18th birthday. And so um, you really honed in on me becoming a woman and letting my, you know, all of the shit that we had been through only make me a strong woman and not, you know, not let it get to me and how there's so much you know, resources out there to become a healed and happy person. And that's exactly what you did. I mean, you showed me the ropes and it was so, it was just so magical. Like I remember opening up my gifts and knowing that like all, like for the first time, it wasn't materialistic items. Granted it was, but it was, it was sentimental, sentimental, heartfelt, heartfelt and things that I still have with me to this day, you know? So and she was a different person. I mean, you were up there for how many months when I when I got there for you? I had been up there for right at one month. At one that month? Point. Oh, but, okay. But here's the thing. Mm -hmm. It was the first time in my entire life where I was forced to be with just myself. Yeah. Since I had been a young child, yeah. I had always shared bedrooms with my siblings. And then I 
left home at 17, moved yeah. in with your father and then had Hannah by 19. And so for my whole life, I had never been by myself. Yeah. And this was literally the first time I had chosen to create that space so that I would be forced to be by myself and have to ebb and flow through all of those feelings mm. and discover who the hell I was and what I actually wanted for life and for my relationship with my children mm. and my, you know, everyone in my family and friends. And in that four weeks, the amount of transmuting toxicity and healing wounds, I mean, so much happened. I, I cannot express how beautiful giving myself that time, how healing it truly, truly was. Yeah. And it was in a very um, high energized, energetic, vibrational space. Anyone want to heal? You take a trip up to Mount Shasta. Yeah. I dare you to step foot on that literally. ground. It will literally suck the toxicity I mean, out of I, you. I remember feeling healed. And it's also the same. That's where the Stand By Me bridge was. Right? Yeah, 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 that was so cool to me. But um, <laughs> sorry, side note. <laughs> but no, that was, that was a, I think the first time we like, spent a long time together mm -hmm. and it was like okay this is this is what our relationship could be like mm -hmm. since I was eight years old mm -hmm. you know yeah. 10 years later yeah. <laughs> 10 years later a whole decade later yeah it was okay I'm now a woman and I want to have my mother in my life I can't I mean I couldn't I if you look back and or when I look back like when I didn't have you in my life I was hurting so bad I mean I, you know, I would, I say I was a mean girl. I actually was not mean to like others at my school. I was fairly nice, but I was a mean girl in the sense of, I had a lot of hurt in my heart that if I were to get close to a lot of people, I only felt like I would have hurt them. Mm -hmm. Right. And yeah. so, you know, that was the time that I remember like, okay, this is not my fate. This is me becoming a better person and living a life that I know I am deserving of. Cause I do, you know, I didn't remember me and my mom having good moments together. And it was crazy because like, even now, like I get flashbacks of like my childhood that I like had completely like, brain, like forgotten about. Right. Well, and I think it's pretty common because I think it's like a, it, it, I mean, it is a, it's an emotional response or it's a protection. Yes. It's mm -hmm. literally a protection. And I remember a couple of Christmas ago when we had gotten at all the photo albums and we were flipping through, you know, our lives when we were a family. And I remember thinking to myself, I can't remember any of this. I had literally blocked it all out as a way to protect myself because I had so disassociated. And so, yeah, it's like, wow. Um, well, I think a lot of people, there's, to me, I look at it and I see so many people that I talk to on a daily basis and they have no idea that they're, you know, disassociated mm -hmm. or they're, you know, they talk about not remembering stuff. And yeah. it's like, you know, the reality is, is you've probably been through some things that have made you want to protect yourself. Right. So, you know, after that trip, I ended up going back home and I remember, I do remember coming home and everyone being like, wow, you seem like, you just seem so happy. And I was, my cup was filled. I felt like for the first time I was like, I, me and my mom had a good relationship. Like you came out there and spent time with me. 
you know, when I started CAPS Mm -hmm. and you were there to support me through that, which was huge because I really felt like, you know, during my childhood, you couldn't be there for my sports and stuff. We had like that three to four months before mm -hmm. I left. Yeah. Yeah. There was three to four months of my mom just supporting me while I was pursuing, um, I guess my, I, I got placed in a program that advanced me from high school into working in the actual workforce. And I was a project manager for a marketing campaign for my city. So, and working with college students at the time. Um, so I really needed that support because for the first time in my life, I actually felt like I mattered, which really is so sad because I know that I do, no matter what I'm doing, I don't need to be doing something to know that I'm important or need that validation. And that's on self-love and self-growth everyone. But, (laughs) but at that time I, you know, I really, this was really important to me. And so my mom was there and wanted to go to everything. I think I hurt your feelings a few times though. Cause I yeah. was like, mom, you can't go. Like yeah. there's, there was some events like you really can't go, <laughs> but she just, she just wanted to be there. And I was like this, you know, this is what it's like, you know, to have a mother and someone to be there for you. And, you know, I think out all along you what you wanted to, you know, oh, yeah. my whole life, you just couldn't because of the trauma and the emotional dissociation and there was also the piece of you that wouldn't let me yes and me being completely so stubborn that reminds so that brings up something that Mm -hmm. was a conversation that you and I had had that day that everything went south when you were in California and one of the things that Alyssa had said to me is ask anyone anyone will tell you that you love Hannah more than you love me. And I was like, well, I can understand how people might perceive that I love Hannah more than I love you. And here's why. And the reality is, is that Hannah allowed for me to be very loving and affectionate. Mm -hmm. Hannah constantly would let me love all over her and show affection to her. And Alyssa would not from very, very early early on in her life. She did not want to be cuddled. She didn't want to be hugged. Mm -hmm. She didn't want to be kissed. So it was constantly feeling of rejection from her that she wouldn't receive the love I had to offer. And being that my, my, one of my love language, love languages is showing affection and being, um, being a child words of affirmation and acts of service so (laughs) and so being a child who suffered their own abandonment and rejection um for me I got my self-worth through loving others and being able to show them that love and and Alyssa would not receive it however Hannah did and so from a visual people thought that Hannah and I had this you know amazing relationship and that I only loved Hannah but that wasn't the truth. The truth was, is that Alyssa just didn't allow for me to express my love language to her. And I didn't really know what Alyssa's love language was in order to affirm and, you know, Mm -hmm. give her that secure attachment. I was a, I was a very odd child though. Like, I feel like, you know, most kids do want affection and I don't have, like, I mean, there are times where I thought about maybe I had some social issues, you know, but reality is I'm just a very, um, like 
I'm an introverted person who's taught myself to be an extrovert, mm-hmm. right? Like at the end of the day, I like to be alone. I like to have my space. I'm very private in that, you know, case where my sister's the complete opposite. Yeah. And well, Hannah and I share very similar yes. personality characteristics. Yes, exactly. And so, um, you know, I just don't think you were used to that. Well, even to this day, Hannah will come over and the very first thing she will do at 25 years old is cuddle up on her mama's lap. Mama, I need a hug. You better show me some love. Where's Mm -hmm. my attention? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So, well, so it, to that, also to that point, um, Alyssa has become extremely open and receiving of affection over the last three years. And initially when Alyssa did become more open, she would actually pursue it from me. Mm -hmm. And at first it felt very uncomfortable. I was like, uh, what's happening here? (laughs) She was wanting a hug and she's not letting me go. Mm -hmm. Like I, I was having a hard time with receiving it because it felt it just felt so different than yeah. what we it had was ever. Awkward. Yeah, it was. It, it was awkward. It was I was awkward. like, oh my God, you know, here's my child. Yeah. I want to love her. Mm-hmm. I want to hold her. I, I want to be able to embrace the hug. But because there had been so much rejection from that part, it didn't feel safe. And consistently through us trying yeah. and trying, um, it's gotten to a point, you know, where we mm-hmm. have the ability. No, and that's one thing I'm so grateful for, like being out here and just developing this relationship with my mom has taught me to be more affectionate and nurturing because I I am definitely someone who prefers like words, like words of affirmation is I think my biggest love, love language, um, which really sucks because actions are everything. And um, people say a lot of things out here or not out here, but just in general. But yeah, so being, you know, closer to my mom and, having a relationship it's taught me a lot about being nurturing and affectionate and receiving love um I really I I haven't been in a lot of relationships I'm young and I don't want to be but one thing my mom is really teaching me is myself you know self-worth and self-love like I feel like since moving out here I'm almost overloaded with the amount of love that I had to give in the best ways possible. And so she has taught me to, instead of seek for someone that may not be the person that's deserving of this love to give it back to myself. Yes. And I think it's so important that her audiences know that not only does she practice what she preaches, but you know, I am a true example of my mom's knowledge and guidance. And, you know, that's one thing that I, am huge on like if any of my friends are listening or just people who may follow me or not um I I truly believe you know that it all starts within and you know my mom is the reason why I think I have turned into such a radiant person to this day um I moved to California a year ago so I've been here with my mom for about a year and we had the best bonding time yes. because we got to share a bedroom yep. in a long time and my mom moved flew out to missouri moved me out we completely road tripped across the nation which such a good time i know but to me it was all my first experiences i had literally only had been to missouri florida and like north carolina when mm-hmm. i was young other than like illinois and like weird random states so it was my first time experiencing life as a young 
ambitious woman and having my mom next to me, supporting me and letting me know that I am smart and I'm resilient and I'm going to be able to achieve it was huge. I mean, she is my biggest supporter. I know. I'm serious. I love you so much. I love you. I love you so much. I am so grateful for the trials and the tribulations that we have been through and our ability to overcome. Um, For me, being a mother was literally the greatest gift and joy. It being a mother taught me what, how to love myself, how to be proud of myself. It taught me that I had value that Mm -hmm. I was needed that, you know, um, all of the things that I, I didn't believe, um, it, it helped me understand. And I've always been an extremely, I'd like to say my divine feminine, mm-hmm. a very creative, you are um, very feminine and nurturing. It, rubs, it rubs your energy. I absorb that energy, you know, like, I feel like we are two peas in a pod in that, in that way. Absolutely. And so when my daughters were little girls, I was very sentimental Mm -hmm. and really went above and beyond to try and make their life experiences special ones. And I can remember baking, (laughs) (laughs) baking cakes and you were just hand doing everything to try and Mm -hmm. really, I mean, you painted our whole entire playroom. We had murals of Winnie the Pooh and princesses. My, I had the dream room growing up guys dream room I mean my mom hand-painted castles I would dream about going into this castle that was painted on my wall and being a ballerina like I w- I had that very ideal during idea. the summers I every day we literally had an adventure yes. every day was an adventure every day was about learning and growing and so when the divorce happened and our everything that we had ever known was rocked um it really just it was hard. Yeah. It was just really hard. I mean, but I recognize that, you know, everything happens for a reason. And if we would not have gone through all of these things, we probably would not be the people that we are. No, here today. absolutely not. I told like, that is the one thing when people, people ask me all the time, oh, like how, how did your parents divorce? Or, you know, my mom recently, just got remarried. I got married yes. and the girls got to walk yes. down the aisle. My mom recently just got remarried and like people are always like fishing for I feel like negative answers yeah. you know because people want to relate and know that you know trauma bond and right like, you know right which I think is a lot of the world today mm-hmm. that's how they relate and connect mm-hmm. is through trauma bonding because there's so much of it out there absolutely um and that I love being able to say I don't you know, I would not change a single thing about it. Mm-hmm. I'll, everything that I went through, all of the relationships to the us screaming and fighting at each other. I mean, I genuinely believe that it has built so much character, so much emotional maturity and being strong. Like, I mean, te- and not only being strong, but being being okay with being vulnerable, mm-hmm. being okay with saying, I need help. Yes. I need to go get therapy. Mm-hmm. I need to be, you know, seeked after for like, you know, professional help because I am not okay. Or just being able to say, I need yeah. you. Yes. I, I need I you need to you. acknowledge yes. me. I need you yes. to stop what you're doing and mm-hmm. hold the space for me yes. right now. And that's, 
where our relationship is at, you know, not, not even today, but I feel like it'll always be there, you know, that I need you. It's, Mm -hmm. that's a huge aspect of our relationship, but just being open and, you know, my mom always taught my sister and I to be very truthful. I mean, we, like my mom was saying that sometimes we do need boundaries, but for the most part, like I know I can go and tell my mom anything. And that is so rare. I mean, I have so many girlfriends who are like, I can't believe you told your mom that. I'm like, hell yeah, I did. I'm like, if not, she's going to find out no matter what. So I don't feel like explaining later. I'd rather her just know now. And that's so important. I'm totally going to take that same parenting skill whenever I am going to be a mother and, you know, hold space for my children to let them know that, hey, you are loved and you are safe. And no matter what you go through, nothing's, you're not going to be shamed. Yeah. You know? and, and I think that that is definitely an important part because I, no matter how horrible something is that your child has to tell you that you really don't want to have to hear. It's important that you don't judge, that you don't criticize, that Mm -hmm. you just hold that space, that you are there to support them and assure them that, you know, no matter how dire the the situation is, um, this will, this too shall pass. This is happening for you. It is not happening to you that we get to make choices. And Alyssa and I chose, we chose to help ourselves in order to help our relationship. And through the personal responsibility and accountability that we took for our own emotional health and our traumas and our wounds, we've been able to get to a point where we have the most beautiful, amazing relationship cherish our relationship so much mom. same right. I mean I feel so blessed when when my two daughters walked me down the aisle and were there to uh, help celebrate with me this amazing magnificent man that has come into our lives and it was just such a beautiful I mean the whole the whole experience was, I, was just magical I struggled giving you away um, for all the right reasons, because I, you know, I've seen you go through so many different phases of your life and it was like, this one's, this one's it, you know, she's, she's done it. She's gone through all of this. Like, this is it for her. And I, it just, it's a bittersweet feeling when you know, one chapter of a book has officially came to end but it's only the beginning of a next beautiful journey, right? And that's exactly what I was feeling was this, this is the ending of the chapter, or not a chapter, a story that we have lived for the past 10 years and it's no longer our story anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, it's time to create a new one that is filled with love and genuine, you know, genuine, yeah. um, just genuine love for one another and trust and, I'm just so happy for you and thankful. Oh, I I feel so blessed that I know that I wouldn't be, we would not be where Mm -hmm. we are today if we had not done the work on ourselves. And if I had not chosen to go within and really recognize and take responsibility for how I kept drawing the same kind of relationship circumstances, because ultimately that's what I thought I deserved. And so through healing myself, don't, 
our, the healing journey is a continuous one. Oh, always. <laughs> we are not healed. It, it is a continuous we journey. Not I mean, you, there's so much generational trauma that is inherited mm-hmm. that, um, it just takes self-awareness and it takes choosing to let go of the attachment to the pain and suffering and being able to form boundaries and have the self-awareness to recognize when you're in a story Mm -hmm. and how the story is serving you good or bad that without all of that, I wouldn't have been able to receive the healthy, beautiful, amazing relationship that I, I now get to experience and not just that, but the relationship that as a whole mm-hmm. for all of us, mm-hmm. it's, it's really just a beautiful thing. And what we witnessed, um, the weekend of our wedding was just absolute magic just on happy. all levels. It was pure happiness. You know, I feel like there was not a single person who was not genuinely just happy to be there. Yeah. And that's so important because it's hard to find, you know, not even hard to find, but you, we would have thought, you know, the old, the old trauma would have taught me, you know, this is, this is bad. Why is, why is everyone happy? But it was like, no, we're deserving and you're deserving of this. So it's been a long, long journey. It has been a long journey. However, it, you know, like, like all fairy tales, (laughs) this one has a very happy ending and I wouldn't do it any other way. I, I would show up. I mean, in, in the end, I have to accept that things happened as they were supposed to in order for us to get to where we're at today, because had we not in my head, when I got divorced, um, I really thought that within, you know, a year I would be remarried and blending families and doing all of these things. And I remember <laughs> about two years ago, Alyssa and I were having a conversation. I'm it was sorry. the anniversary of the 10 years of our divorce. And I was saying, wow, it's been a decade. And here I am like, oh my gosh. And telling her, you know, I thought that I would have been remarried right away. And the reason that I had that expectation is because that's what we saw. All of our friends, family members, society, society they would get divorced and then they would immediately be in this other relationship. People wonder why they feel so empty. Right. We've we've done the work. I mean, we, for the last decade, you know, cheat and keep escaping or drink or drugs. I mean, right. You know, people rush and it's codependency, but that's it's trauma bonding. It's yeah. That's a whole other episode. Yeah. We'll have to do a whole episode on that, Mm -hmm. but, but no, um, what did I say to you whenever you said to me, you know, you go, mom, I'm just going to be really honest with you. And I think that you're probably going to be like 50 before you finally find the right guy. I'm so sorry. (laughs) And I remember just going, oh my God, 50? And thinking to myself that almost, almost 20 something years of my life um, would have passed, you know, without me being able to share all of the love that I truly have to give. And not just to my daughters, yeah. but to, to a male, to, you know, a male that yeah. um, was worthy and deserving of that love I had to offer. <laughs> I'm so sorry I said that. But, Don't be sorry. But hey, I wasn't, I wasn't 
not necessarily like you're close to 50, but I think, I think <laughs> Wait, was, you weren't too far off. Okay. I think, I think the, what I was trying to get out of it was to be hopeful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be hopeful. That's, that's what I'm going to tell myself was, I, I think I just wanted you to be hopeful. Yeah. You know, I didn't mean it in a negative way. No, I know. I laugh. I still laugh. But so to all of the listeners who have hung with us through this uh, up and down and up and down journey, um, we really appreciate the love and support and your willingness to hear our story. And we want, we really truly are committed to helping others and yeah, we understand the importance of relationship and having safety and being able to hold the space for one another, no, how, no matter how challenging yeah. something is that they other has to share with you. And on a side note, I just want to say this podcast was a very vulnerable thing for me to get on and do. Um, you know, I, I'm not the type of person to open up very easily Um, I used to not be the type of person to open up very easily about a lot of the things I've been through, but now um, I want to share it because I think it's so important. Like young, young women, men, teenagers, I don't, everyone, just anyone out there know that, you know, there's experiences like ours and then there's, you know, the successes at the end and there's light at the end of the tunnel and I just, I just feel like it's, you know, a good story for people to kind of relate to, or, you know, not even if they can't relate to it, just understand, you know, that, you know, we're here for you too. Um, I kind of want to put myself out there and if someone needs anyone to talk to, or maybe a, you know, younger teenage advice, um, my DMs are always open. I am not private on Instagram, so you can DM me and that's where I'll get back to probably the quickest. But I just want everyone to know like we are here for you and I I don't want anyone to ever feel like they're alone. And to Skrillex, yes. plenty of fish and Skrillex, Corona. Plenty of fish, Corona beer. Thank you so much for all of the yes. lessons that you helped us. Thank to you. Learn. And I do hope that they have found some healing on their own. Absolutely. We we definitely don't wish um, any ill will. We we truly understand that they are damaged individuals Mm -hmm. whom are truly suffering their own traumas and don't know how to cope any other way. Like many, many people in the world though, we want them to heal. Absolutely. Be conscious of what, you know, all of this goes back to us realizing where the trauma started and being conscious of how it told us a story and what we did to, you know, either react or respond to it. And now, you know, reflecting and forgiving and it creates love. So absolutely, I'm so happy. Nothing but love. I love you. Well, thank you everyone for listening. And please, 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 if anyone out there needs some Mm -hmm. support, some guidance, resources, We are more than happy to help support you in any capacity that we can. And Alyssa did the retrain your brain course. And I remember her being so open to receiving that information and understanding now how everything that we experienced in our environment shaped our beliefs. And we continue to work through those daily. Mm -hmm. 
have reframing and reshifting those stories. Thank you, everyone. And you guys can find Alyssa. Where can the audience find you? Um, you guys can find me on Instagram at Alyssa Duranja. And um, for my younger generation, I do have a TikTok. <laughs> you can find me on there too. And um, yeah, that will be it. And we would love, love, love for you to tell us if there's other things that you mm -hmm. would like for us to talk about, share. Um, we'd be more than happy to, to do this again. Yeah. I'm so proud of this woman. Mm -hmm. She is I, seriously, I'm so proud of both of my daughters. Okay. Alyssa is just a light. She is just pure mm -hmm. light. Her heart is absolutely the most magnificent Thank you. Beautiful. Um, anyone who meets her always says, wow, you have an absolutely incredible, incredible daughter. And I am so grateful because there was a point in my life where I really did think that I was never going to be able to take any kind of credit for the woman that she would eventually oh. become. And to hear her say that I have helped to shape mm -hmm. the woman that she is today. Um, really brings much joy and, and, and so much gratitude to my heart. <laughs> All right. We love you. We love you. We're about to have the best mother and daughter date night. We got Absolutely. some snacks and movies and we're going to end this podcast on a good note. <laughs> Absolutely. So thank you for listening. Thank you for holding space for us. And, um, we appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on the Think Yourself Healthy podcast. Make sure you leave a review and let me know what you think. I love reading your feedback. Come hang out with me on Instagram at Heather Duranja. And don't forget to take a screenshot that you're listening to the podcast and tag me. I love to share it. See you on the next episode.